The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. What a crazy week we've had. Due to COVID-19 and the crisis you and I are facing, we have experienced things that we've never experienced before. I find it even crazy that I'm speaking to a camera right now to connect with you digitally, but in all seriousness, we have seen schools closed, public places closed, people losing their jobs. Maybe that's you today. We want to let you know that we're praying with you. Unprecedented stimulus plans from governments. We are continuing to be socially distant. And rightly so, people are full of panic, fear, and perhaps anger. In fact, I remember uh, hearing a story of a person who phoned 911 because they couldn't find toilet paper throughout their city. Yes, 911 for toilet paper. Of course, toilet paper isn't an emergency, but we are living in a new normal, aren't we? I want to encourage you today with God's word that this is nothing new to God and that God is still in control even when life isn't. And this is what Paul said to his friends in Philippi. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. And I want to read these contexts because this is nothing new to the Philippi context. They were full of fear and frustration and anger at that time too. Not because of COVID, but because their lead pastor, Paul, was in prison. And Paul was in prison because he said that Jesus is Lord or God, not Caesar. And more likely, Paul was about to lose his life because of this. Yet the Philippi context is all about joy in the midst of difficult days. Listen to what he says here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests known to God. And the peace of God, get this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's stop there really quickly. Don't be anxious about anything, but bring your prayers, your concerns, your burdens, your fears to the Lord. And there's this great promise that you and I get, that we experience God's peace in the midst of the storms of life and will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Yet this is what Paul also says. Finally, brothers and sisters, it's about community. Whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think upon these things. In the midst of a COVID culture that we're facing today, Paul is encouraging you and I to think of these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me or practiced because you are a follower of Jesus, put them into practice. And Paul says, the peace of God will be with you. This is my encouragement to you as we go into this new series called A Digital Babylon. God's peace will be with you. It is his peace that will be with you in a world that cannot give you this peace. The world is fighting a virus with all the resources that we can muster as a humanity, but life is still fragile. Life is still unstable. And in our secular society who is self-sufficient from God is actually being stripped away from these things to find perhaps God. This reminds me of a story when I dropped my son off at a birthday party a few years ago. I dropped him off at this jungle gym and I decided to go for a quick workout. When I came back to pick him up, I went into this jungle gym and people started to stare at me awkwardly. 
I thought to myself, do I have something in my hair or in my beard, in my teeth or nose? I didn't know why they were looking at me weird, but I would simply nod and say hi and be kind and smile back. As I picked up Joe and went on our way home, I asked how the party was. He started to show me the party pack that he got, which is the most important part of any birthday party at that point. And Joseph started to unpack this party pack, and it was full of BC Lions stuff. A BC Lions eraser, a BC Lions football, a BC Lions pencil, a BC Lions sticker. There is even a BC Lions sucker in this party pack. And the party pack even had a BC Lions logo on it. The BC Lions is our football team here from BC. And this is what hit me because of why everyone was looking at me awkwardly. I was wearing this hoodie. <laughs> it's a Rough Riders hoodie. And the Rough Riders was the rivalry at the time because they beat the BC Lions before going to the Grey Cup and winning that Grey Cup that year. Then I started to realize this is why they started to look at me weird. Not only that, but I soon understood that the boys' birthday party that Joseph was invited to was the grandson of the former head coach of the BC Lions. That's right. Half the BC Lions team was at this birthday party that night who lost to the Rough Riders just a few weeks before. In the same way, culture thinks that Christians can be awkward as well. Culture sometimes rightly or wrongly think that Christians are weird, and here's three big reasons why. First, Christians are seen as judgmental. Christians are seen to push morality, Christian morals, on a culture that doesn't see Christian morals as a priority anymore. We are seen stuffy or crusty. Secondly, Christians are seen as hypocritical. Nothing is different from you and I as Christians, so therefore culture says, why do I have to live differently if I don't see any difference? And third, Christians are seen as old-fashioned and perhaps out of date, especially in the context of marriage and sexual purity. And this is why, friends, you and I live in a Babylonian culture. Throughout Scripture, especially in the days of Daniel and also in the New Testament in Rome, a Babylonian culture represents three things. The first one is secularism. People don't feel the need for God. That sounds like us today, doesn't it? People don't feel they need God. A humanistic deism is the second one. This reality that I am God. That if I don't need God, therefore I am God. It's the context of our world today that lives in a personalized, individualistic, truth-based culture. And we see also that Babylonian culture was an opposition of religion. It's an opposition from God. They would push back against God. That's a Babylonian culture. But not only that, we live in a digital culture. Our world is connected, and thank God that you and I can connect digitally like this. We work, we communicate, and we build relationships online. In fact, 90% of Canadians actually have a smartphone. 80% of people are online every day. This is not a generation thing. This is a culture thing. We live in a digital culture. And this is why we live in a digital Babylon, as your outline will show you. A digital Babylon is a modern world where culture puts their focus more on the digital reality than a dynamic relationship with God. In other words, culture is putting their focus on Google rather than God. And as followers of Jesus in this modern digital Babylon, how can you and I thrive, not just survive in our faith in a secular culture? How can you and I show the Savior in a culture where they think the church is awkward or weird? 
And how can you and I grow in our faith in a culture that opposes or pushes back against Christian values? And this leads to the big idea. The big idea sums up the message into a single phrase, and this is it. Transform people, transform culture. As your outline shows, transform people, transform culture. Let me be honest with you for a second. It won't be more governmental programs that will transform culture, even though government programs are important. It won't be more evangelistic programs that will transform culture, even though outreach initiatives are important. It won't be more pastoral staff that will transform culture, even though pastors play a part. It is when you and I, who are transformed, transform culture. For me, I experienced this transformational love of Jesus when I was 16 years old. I was supposed to go to a party that night, and my sister wanted to go to youth group. You see, youth group and church represented for me no more like a school lecture or classroom. The Bible was a stuffy science textbook for me. Religion was something that you did. It wasn't who you are. Sunday mornings or youth group was more about tradition or family focus rather than meeting with the living God. And yet as a 16-year-old student, when I dropped my sister off to that youth group, I stayed back at that old church in the back pew. And I spoke to God in my frustration because I was bored of the world. I was bored of sin. And I said to God, if you are real, show yourself real to me. And I heard this whisper to me that said, if you want me to be real with you, then be real with me. You see, I knew that God was real, but distant. And that day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, personal Savior, where I accepted and received God's love. For the first time ever, even though I was raised in the church, I experienced God's love that while I was a sinner far from him, when I didn't deserve his grace and forgiveness, I got to know God personally. You see, this is where transformation starts. Have you ever experienced this type of love before? It's a love beyond religion, beyond rituals and practices. It's a love that transforms. It, it changes us. It causes you and I to be different. It causes us to look and be someone different in our world today. And maybe you've never experienced that type of love before, this redemptive, purposeful love from God. But by the end of our time together today, we will give you an opportunity to experience this love. So the question is, how can you and I be transformed? This is what Jesus was teaching his followers in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26. It's going to be on your screens, but I encourage you to open up your Bible as well. Jesus was teaching his followers of what it meant to have a transformed life. And this is what he said. Listen to these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple, in other words, a follower of Jesus, they must. Now, underline must or circle it in your Bibles or underline that in your digital device. But here it's not an option, Jesus saying. It's not a feeling. It's more of a command. And this is what he says. To deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for my sake will save it. For what is it good for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit and lose their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of it when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. In other words, when we meet with Jesus. So how are you and I transformed? Well, as your outline says, first, you and I are transformed inwardly transformed inwardly. 
Jesus asks you and I to deny ourselves, to deny ourselves in an instantaneous, personalized, individualistic, digital Babylon. This is very, very difficult. Yet this is a key component of how to show the Savior in a secular world. I don't know about you, but you probably went to the grocery store this week and found a lot of empty shelves. I remember going to the grocery store early before the doors opened and almost 100 people were waiting at the door to get inside. And you probably have seen videos online or maybe you've experienced this, but as soon as as the door is open, people are rushing to certain sections in the grocery store for toilet paper. Yes, toilet paper. In less than 30 minutes in this grocery store, all the toilet paper was gone that day. Some people were buying all this toilet paper and waiting outside to resell it to other people. Some people were fighting over toilet paper and others were taking advantage and taking toilet paper from other people's carts. I found this was absolutely crazy. What a ride we are in in our culture today. This is an example of what a personalized and individualistic culture looks like. The digital Babylon that you and I live in says this about life. That the purpose of life is to be happy. In other words, do whatever it takes to make yourself happy. But pause there for a second and think about that. So does anything that doesn't make you happy in this life you're supposed to get rid of? Too often this actually does happen. In relationships, in careers, in marriages, even in churches, we focus too much on what makes you and I happy rather than what makes us holy. The second thing that culture says to us is not just to be happy, but to be rich. The purpose of life is to make money so that money will make you happy. But this really isn't that true because the pursuit of money in our culture has other costs. Relationship costs, health costs. Jim Carrey, a famous comedian and actor, put it this way. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do whatever it takes to uh, to do what they dreamed of so that they would see that it is not the answer. You see, money is not the problem, as Jesus would say here, to deny ourselves, but as much as the focus. Culture says that the purpose of life is to get rich, yet Jesus says that you and I can be rich in relationships. And lastly, culture suggests that the purpose of life is to find yourself from within. That it is through experiences that will make you happy or rich that you find yourself and you put your identity on. But how can you actually rely on these experiences? How can you find them as truth? How can you find yourself when you and I know we live in an unstable, unrelentless, insecure world that is lost and broken? How can you actually know and find yourself from within when we know that we're broken? Yet Jesus calls you and I to deny ourselves or to lose ourselves by finding ourselves in Christ. How do you actually do this? Well, first, the thing that we can do is give full control over to Christ. It means to give full control to God even when life doesn't make sense or is out of control. And we can do this as followers of Jesus because of who Jesus is and what we can find our identity in. Listen to what Jesus says about you and I in Scripture. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a child of the living God. You are an alien or foreigner in this world. You have an inheritance now in Christ Jesus that is heavenward. You have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You are chosen by God. You are now a friend, not an enemy with Jesus. And that word friend simply means that is beyond or deeper than a brother or sister, mother or dad. 
You are God's workmanship to bring glory to God here on earth. You are free from shame and guilt because of Jesus Christ. And you have an eternal home. You see, when you and I lose ourselves, when we deny ourselves from being happy or deny about pursuing wealth or denying about finding ourselves, we actually gain all the things in this world the world cannot give when we give over our lives to Christ. Because Jesus transforms us, first of all, inward. He gives us peace that the world cannot give. He offers you and I joy, as we've just read in Philippi's context, in the midst of difficult days. He gives us access to wisdom found in prayer. Have you experienced this inward transformation? You and I can experience this inward transformation when you and I deny and give full control over to God. Have you given full control over to God today? Secondly, you and I are transformed upwardly. Jesus says to carry your cross every day. Culture has recently said, just don't be happy or be rich or find yourself, but to love yourself. But how can you and I truly love each ourselves if we don't know what love is? Here's an example. Anyone know who Taylor Swift is? Taylor Swift sings songs about love, but let's be honest, she sings songs of heartbreak more than love. Anyone heard of A Weekend? He's an R&B artist. You've probably heard him on the radio. He sings songs about love too. But to be honest, he doesn't really sing songs of love. He sings songs about self-love or lust, what he can get out of it. And then there is the radio. You can listen to the radio anytime. But these songs, they sing songs about love, but it's more about a sexual love or to experience love. This is what culture sings about love. Heartbreak, self-love or lust, and an experience. Yet Jesus says that true love or the purest love imaginable is to carry up your cross. Why? Because Jesus carried up a deeper cross for you and I. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was raised on the third day. He took on the pain of humanity so that you and I can experience the purest love imaginable. It was God's love through Jesus Christ that he can experience love through to us, this ongoing dynamic relationship with Jesus, it's an agape love, the Bible says. It's an upward love that you can only find through Jesus, and you and I have an opportunity to accept and receive God's love. We are transformed by this love, by carrying up the cross. For me, the best time of my week, because I have a busy week and a busy home, is when I have uninterrupted time with my wife, Annick. It's when we reconnect from a busy day. It's when we can recap how the day went. We can share the good, the bad, and the ugly together. And it gives me life. Why? Because I spend time with Annick. And I get to know her and she's my best friend. And what I love about Annick is she brings out the best even when I've gone through my worst. In the same way, being transformed as a follower of Jesus and carrying up our cross is when we spend time with Jesus. And carrying up our cross is another context of actively obeying God. Are you actively obeying God today? Are you allowing the agape love of Jesus to shape you and transform you, not just inwardly, but upwardly? Third, as your, as your outline says, you and I are transformed outwardly. Jesus asks you and I to follow him in everyday life. It is living an example of Christ in every context And because we live in a COVID culture right now, throughout history, Christianity has had its best days in the midst of crisis. 
how the church responded to the plagues in ancient Rome, to world wars, to human needs throughout the world, has seen a rise of influence in Christianity. Let's be honest, friends. It wasn't a church building or program as much as people who responded to the needs of humanity that saw the rise of Christianity throughout history. It's in the midst of our broken, needy world when you and I, who are transformed inwardly and upwardly, where outwardly we are transforming culture. And as your outline shows, here are 10 practical ways you and I can be the church in a COVID culture. Here's 10 ways. First, get involved in a small group. If not live between each other, why not in real time online? Stay connected. In fact, here at Broadway Church, we will be offering online resourcing of how to stay connected online. Secondly, reach out to someone who's sick and encourage them. Take care for them. Send a prayer their way, an encouraging note. Whatever that looks like, reach out to someone who's sick and take care of them. Third, socially distance yourself, but stay socially connected. Again, like I mentioned, send a note and text and encourage someone today. We have heard stories of people who are sending love to one another in practical ways. In fact, someone in one of our condo buildings put up a poster saying, hey, if you're elderly and you need someone to pick up your prescriptions or get groceries for you or any task, text this number and we'll be with you and we will support you. In fact, a couple days later, the same person went into the elevator and there was two other posters there saying the exact same thing. This is humanity trying to help one another to stay socially connected in a socially distant culture. Fourth, don't hoard. Don't try to take advantage of people. Be generous with each other. Send a toilet paper roll to somebody that you love. Fifth, be patient with one another. Show grace and concern with one another rather than panic. Sixth, read the word of God on anxiety and fear. Why? Because truth transforms. I mentioned a passage of scripture from Philippians that says, don't be anxious about anything. But another passage of scripture is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, and it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love found in Jesus drives out all fear because fear has something to do with punishment but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, this perfect love that we find in Jesus transforms us and gives us peace. Seventh, send a care package to someone that has been laid off. Maybe you've been laid off or you know someone who's been laid off. It could be family or friends or someone close near to you. We encourage you to send a care package. Eighth, do something fun and active with your family. Maybe you're like me and you're stuck at home with all your family and with all the students that you have or kids that you have. Make the most out of this time together and encourage one another. Have fun together. Ninth, invite someone to be part of an online service experience here at Broadway Church. Invite or share or like what we're doing online so that people can find hope and truth here at Broadway Church online. Last, be generous with your money. Why? Because when you're generous, it allows charity to rise, not chaos. There was a pagan priest who was converted to Christianity during the plague in ancient Rome in, during the late second century. His name is Dionysus, and he said this, Most of the Christians who were followers of Jesus showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of, the, of one another, Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to every need and ministering to them in Christ. 
and with them departed this life sincerely happy. Interesting. For they were infected by others with this disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Hear me today. This quote is more about intent than content. As we have seen in Rome, as we have seen in Babylon, as we have seen throughout history, it is when transformed people transform culture. Our world at this time is fighting a virus that attacks the body. Governments, health officials, human reasoning, and massive resources around the globe are fighting the coronavirus. Social distancing, closed borders, stimulus packages are helping flatten the curve. And yet Jesus also came to attack a virus. A virus that governments, health officials, human reasoning and resources can't fight. It's a virus that you and I and all of humanity have. It's a virus called sin. Jesus came to conquer the sin virus through his purest, unconditional, redemptive love that we can ever experience. Nothing else can fight this virus. Have you ever experienced this love, the purest love imaginable? You want to live a transformed life, a life that is marked by purpose, significance, and confidence? You want to conquer the sin in your life, the virus that lives and mutates within you? Then like me as a 16-year-old student, I encourage you to accept and receive God's love for you. And for all of us that are listening online today, this week, let the purest love imaginable not only be experienced with God, but expressed to our digital age, to the digital Babylon we live in. Because a transformed life, friends, will transform culture. I encourage you to get involved. Find 10 ways to be the church in a COVID culture. Be the church outside of the walls of this church building. Get involved practically. Give generously. Do what you would do to be the church in the digital Babylon that you and I live in. So in your living room, on your digital device, with your family and friends, we're just going to pause. And we're just going to allow God to speak to us as we pray. Lord, we pause today in our living rooms, in our digital devices, in our online Broadway experience to speak to our hearts and minds. I pray for those who have accepted and received your love today that they would be transformed in the love of Jesus Christ. I pray that they would ask forgiveness of their sins and that through your love, they would conquer the sin virus in you. And lastly, Lord, I pray for all of us. I pray that we would be the church in a COVID culture. Empower us by your spirit to practically express, not just experience, the purest love imaginable to our family, to our neighbors, to our digital network, to our city and, and beyond. Speak to us today. Give us courage to respond in practical ways so that Broadway Church would see its best days today. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.